Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here on The Colour of Country Life, we're catching up again with the member for Barker, Tony Passon. How are you, Tony? I'm well, thanks. Ricky? Uh, here we are talking on Tuesday when the Reserve Bank's going to meet and we expect interest rates will go up again. Nervousness about cost of living and inflation. What's your read on what's happening on the ground in Barker? Well, the reality is people are really hurting because of the cost of living. Uh, Ricky, um, it's not just interest rates, although that I expect is uh, occupying a lot of people's attention at the moment because it seems to be every month indeed if the decision is taken today to increase by half a percentage point, so that's five consecutive months in a row. It's not just the increase in interest rates. It's increasing the cost of doing almost everything, whether it's fuel, groceries, entertainment. And so um, I think this is really starting to bite. And unfortunately, we've got a government that's making a bad situation worse. Um, last week, they decided to not extend the... Uh, discounted uh, excise for fuel, which means, you know, we're all paying a bit over 22 cents a litre more for fuel. Now, that's exactly the opposite of what you should be doing in a cost-of-living crisis situation. And are we going to see the relief the government hailed as being, you know, their moves to um, address the cost-of-living challenges? Uh, Are they going to be felt immediately by those that are struggling with those costs? Well, we heard a lot before the election about this government taking responsibility and facing head-on the challenge of cost of living pressures and so far despite uh, a lot of questions during question time and a lot of commentary otherwise they've come up with two measures uh, Ricky. One um, is cheaper medicines which um, will commence in January 2023 so I don't know how that uh, is a cost of living relief measure today, it's not and the other one uh, was around childcare uh, and that doesn't kick in until 1 July 2023. 20, um, and so, again, a measure that is off into the future when people need relief now. So the reality is if your listeners are waiting for um, some assistance, either out of the budget in October or right now via the federal government, they won't be seeing it. In fact, as I said, they're making a bad situation worse by taking a cost-of-living relief measure that we had established, namely reducing uh, fuel excise by 22-odd cents to make fuel cheaper, uh, they've taken that away, which has made, as I said, a bad situation worse. Well, I guess for some people who are on Centrelink payments of one sort or another, including the age pension, there is some increase for them uh, in this budget. Yeah, well, I I find this assertion by Labor laughable, um, (laughs) Ricky, because you and I both know that those payments are indexed Uh, and they increase every six months. Now, what indexation means is that uh, they increase in line with inflation. So, yes, in in a nominal terms, uh, people will get more in terms of their Centrelink payments, but in real terms, uh, they're getting exactly the same amount of money. And uh, Labor have been lauding the greatest ever increase in in, uh, welfare payments because of this indexation, but all that 
is underscoring is the greatest uh, increase in inflation, which is causing the cost of living crunch. So I wouldn't be in, in the midst of a cost of living crunch celebrating high inflation because that's what's causing everyone the pain. That's the reason why uh, milk, bread, cheese is all more expensive and we're finding it harder to make ends meet. Now on that one that you mentioned about the childcare subsidies, just on the provision of childcare itself, it seems to be a continual refrain from all of our regional broadcast areas that just getting access to childcare is quite difficult. Well there are a couple of issues with childcare. It's it's not just affordability which Labor has seemed to be seeking to address, it's also accessibility and you're right Ricky, I mean I've campaigned for a very long time for an uh, childcare facility at Kingston to increase the size of it because they've got a waiting list of about 50 people. Can you imagine that? There are 50 families that, uh, for whom one of the family members can't go to work because they can't get a place at childcare. I mean, it's madness. But just on the um, affordability question, um, your listeners might not be aware, but there's been much um, lauded cheaper childcare. Um, there are ads on the television, you know, promoting it, etc. Etc. Well, what Labor has done, just so people understand the policy parameters, they've effectively said that households earning between three hundred and fifty-six thousand and five hundred and thirty thousand can now access rebates for childcare. Now, I'm someone who doesn't think that a household with household income of five hundred and thirty thousand dollars—that's a year—needs a subsidy from government to pay for childcare. I think that's ridiculous and effectively all we're going to see as a result of this policy is childcare centres jack up their prices, not just for those people who uh, have only just received or will for the first time receive a subsidy because of their high level of income, but they'll jack the fees up for everyone. Um, And this is a $4.5 billion measure which doesn't create one extra place, not one extra place in a childcare centre in regional remote Australia or indeed any um, extra places across Australia. So it seems to me that we've got a government that's made a decision to pay $4.5 billion more for nothing. Um, It's the definition of money for nothing, quite frankly, and it won't solve the problems I've got uh, in all these so-called childcare deserts where people... Uh, can't get access to childcare, or if they can, it's one day a week and it's out of the boot of a car. Can you believe there are childcare facilities in my electorate that are mobile, which are effectively um, operating childcare centres out of, out of the boot, boots of cars? I mean, it's just... They wouldn't accept it in the city, so I don't know why we do in the regions. Yeah, I haven't got the dire straits money for nothing queued up, I'm afraid, but uh, <laughs> it does seem odd to me that you've got uh, um, couples that are earning even higher than when family tax benefit was taken away for middle to higher income couples, and yet this money's being given to those in that 300000 plus salary bracket. Uh, is Labor just playing to its base in metropolitan areas such as Western Sydney? I don't know, Ricky. I'm trying to understand this because, I mean, if I had... If I was Jason Clare or Anne Ali, the relevant two ministers, and I was given $4.5 billion by the Prime Minister to address the childcare crisis in Australia, and it's obviously a productivity measure because if we can get more people into work, that's a, a good thing. Uh, I, I wouldn't be you know, targeting that money at, um, at, at, at super wealthy couples. I, I'd be building more childcare facilities um, across the nation, but with an emphasis on regional and remote Australia where the, there are no services. I mean, 
it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I wonder whether they're in fact, you know, playing to the teal markets. You know, um, teal members of parliament now represent nine of the ten wealthiest electorates in the country, um, or whether they're just, um, you know, making good on on this view that I hold, which is that the Labor Party now represent the uber-wealthy, those people that don't need to work for a living, you know, people who can afford higher electricity bills to feel good about themselves, as opposed to people that I think the Liberal Party represents nowadays, which are people who have to work for a living. Uh, Tony's Tradies, Howard's Battlers, um, Scott's Quiet Australians. I mean, people in my electorate, uh, Ricky, would love um, the capacity to pay more for their electricity bills. Uh, they don't have that capacity. They can't afford to pay more of the electricity bills. And in many cases, they turn the heaters off in, in, in winter. So uh, I don't have the privilege of, you know, of, of saying that, uh, oh, it's all good, we can pay higher electricity uh, bills to feel good about ourselves, because I know very many constituents of my electorate simply can't. Now, Tony, I'm moving on to another topic before we go that you've had a lot to say about in the last month, which is road safety in the regions. Uh, and I noticed that uh, here in South Australia, for instance, uh, the road toll when we're speaking is at 56, which is lower than 74 at the same time last year. But nonetheless, uh, disturbing increases in places like the Air Western and Limestone Coast uh, local service areas of 80% higher fatalities in this current year. So uh, we, uh, you've had a lot to say about what needs to be done in this area, just to share some of those comments with our listeners. Yeah, well, um, Ricky, September was Rural Road Safety Month, and whilst in South Australia our statistics, and our fatality statistics this year are an improvement, nationally we've gone backwards significantly, but worse than that, um, in regional South Australia we've seen a real spike, and two-thirds of all road fatalities are on rural roads, um, a high proportion of those are young people in um, South Australia. In fact, 13 of the state's fatalities have been people aged between 16 and 24, and that's just completely um, tragic. Uh, the reality is we all need to take responsibility for our journeys, um, uh, Ricky, and so we all need to pledge to be uh, better and safer drivers. Uh, but um, my job as Assistant Shadow Minister for Infrastructure and Transport is to campaign uh, for more funding to find its way into our rural, regional, remote and indeed national uh, infrastructure network, particularly as it relates to um, black spot and uh, road safety expenditure. Your listeners might be surprised to learn that the amount of funding we provide for black spot, treating black spots, those areas that have taken lives or caused serious injury collisions, uh, we have more black spots than we have money to deal with those. These are locations at which people have lost their lives because of the dangerous nature of the infrastructure itself. Uh, we really need to lean into that stronger, um, not just so we can deal with reactive um, areas, those areas that have caused accidents, but, other, but proactive areas where, where we know that the, that the infrastructure is dangerous and that we need to do something about it. We need to ensure that our road network is as safe as possible as well as, obviously, as productive as possible uh, because, you know, uh, over 1,100 lives lost last year, um, more this year. Um, 
that's just 1,100 lives too many, quite frankly. Um, with the federal budget coming up this month, is there uh, any uh, wind of change happening when it comes to the way that funding is granted? Uh, you heard anything from the government that it might be changing the approach or are we going to keep the focus on road safety as the paramount you know, consideration? Well, I hope in terms of infrastructure funding, there is um, a heavy emphasis on uh, road safety because, of course, a safer road is a more productive road. Uh, but I'm not holding my breath, uh, uh, Ricky. We've got a budget in October. Uh, Treasurer Chalmers keeps telling us he doesn't want to put more pressure on the Reserve Bank. I think he's softening us up for a uh, austere budget, uh, which might well see projects, um, you know, uh, cut across the nation. My concern in terms of infrastructure expenditure is there'll be rural and regional projects uh, that are taken away in lieu of projects in the city. Uh, we've already seen evidence of that at the South Australian level. The effectively uh, bypass or ring road around Harndorf, which was fully funded at $250 million. The South Australian State Government has now decided it doesn't want to proceed with that project, despite the community being very much in favour of it, taking all that traffic off um, the Harndorf Main Street. Um, what that does is give the Federal Government $200 million to spend somewhere else, and the State Government $50 million somewhere else, uh, and I bet my bottom dollar that money will find its way into uh, uh, into Adelaide proper and most likely the northern suburbs that are represented by the Labor Party. But we'll wait and see. Uh, we've got an Octo the, uh, the October budget will bear it all out and I'll, no doubt I'll have an opportunity to speak with you about that towards the end of this month. Yeah, absolutely. Will there be a need for um, higher road maintenance after all this wet weather? I'm hearing there's a lot of potholes in many parts of the Sturt Highway, for instance. Well, I spent the weekend at Loxton at the Loxton Show driving home through the Mallee. I've never seen crops uh, as good as that. And uh, the Mallee Highway is the one I am concerned about the most just at the moment. Now, this will be the first significant harvest um, that we've had since we um, since we moved all that freight off rail and onto road. Um, this will be a real test for that roadway. And my prediction is by the end of this harvest, uh, the Mallee Highway will look something like uh, a road that's been rotary hoed. Um, and I think we'll realise the great folly in moving away from rail to road uh, at the end of this harvest. And that's not just the Mallee, as you would know, uh, up through uh, Kapunda uh, all the way to the Riverland, crops are looking fantastic. Our roads are going to be completely pounded. So there'll be a need to get in front of that maintenance, which we're well and truly behind in. All right, Tony Passon, a member for Barker, thank you so much for joining us today on Flow. Cheers, Ricky. Have a good day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.